1988, two attractive young students attending a prominent suburban Chicago religious school disappeared, setting off a frenzied search that lasted months before the truth about what happened to them was revealed. This is the bizarre story of the missing Wheaton Bible College couple. I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. On Saturday, April 2nd, 1988, Scott Swanson, 23, of Elgin, Illinois, and Carolyn McLean, 21, of New Jersey, two students at suburban Wheaton College were headed back to the Chicago suburbs from Flint, Michigan. Their plan was to stop in Chicago for dinner on their way back to Elgin, Illinois, some 40 miles northwest. It was Easter weekend, and the Swanson family was expecting to celebrate with them. Scott Swanson's father, Roger, received a call from Scott the night before at around 5.30 p.m. to say he and Carolyn would be leaving Flint at 11 a.m. on Saturday and expected to arrive in Elgin by 8 p.m. that night. They never showed. When the phone finally rang that night, it was the Chicago police. A security guard at Orchestra Hall, 220 South Michigan Avenue, had called police to report a red BMW in the alley with the engine running that had been there for hours. When police arrived just before 7.30 p.m., they found the doors unlocked and the keys in the ignition. There was a parking ticket on the window that had been issued at 5.30 p.m. The glove compartment had been busted open, and there was clothing, books, and other belongings scattered about the car. The expensive car stereo was intact. Scott Swanson's wallet and credit cards were found on the ground near the car. No sign of the driver or passengers, but also no sign of blood. Scott Swanson's father, Roger, a teacher at Schaumburg High School in Chicago suburbs, stated, quote, We are totally in the dark. This is totally out of character. Scott has always touched base at home and kept us informed of his plans. According to Roger Swanson, Scott had attended Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and knew his way around, having gone into the city frequently. He was a cadet major in the Reserve Officer Training Corps, or ROTC, set to be commissioned as a second lieutenant that May 15th after graduation. Scott's strong record earned him a coveted spot, in helicopter flight school in Alabama the following year. That Monday, two days after Carolyn's red BMW was found, fellow students distributed thousands of flyers with photos of the missing couple around Chicago's Loop. The following day, police and family members examined Carolyn McLean's BMW at a police impound lot at 6150 South Racine, but found no clues. Their credit cards, which had been flagged since Sunday, showed no signs of activity. Susan McLean, Carolyn's older sister, was quoted in the Camden, New Jersey Courier Post that Tuesday. She claimed both Carolyn and Scott were both close with their families and would not disappear without letting them know. Quote, There's no reason for them to disappear. No rift. They just wouldn't do it. Susan McLean did admit that she didn't know the couple, who had been dating for a year, had quietly gotten married the week before in a small ceremony in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. While Scott had told his parents about the nuptials, Carolyn had not told hers. Susan McLean said her sister Carolyn's goal was to teach as well as write and illustrate children's books, but Susan admitted doubts that she would ever see that happen. 
quote, They may very well be dead. It's hard to say that without breaking into tears, but I've had two days to face it now. There's no use hanging on false hopes, end quote. Chicago police appeared confident the newlyweds were okay, responding to numerous tips about the couple's whereabouts, including one from a Westside service station attendant who said he was 100% sure he talked with the couple the previous morning. A round-the-clock prayer vigil for the students was held at Wheaton College, but nothing. No ransom note, no bodies, no clues to indicate what happened to Scott and Carolyn. Carolyn's birthday two weeks later on April 18th came and went without a word from her to anyone. Weeks turned into months. The number of alleged sightings of the couple dwindled. Scott Swanson and Carolyn McLean had simply vanished. Wheaton, Illinois is a town with a population of just over 52,000 today, as well as back in 1988 when the couple disappeared. Wheaton is known for being one of the most conservative suburbs of Chicago, home to the Harvard of Evangelical Schools, as some have called it, Wheaton College, a destination school for devout Christian students seeking an elite liberal arts education. Wheaton College was described in a 1988 Washington Post article as, quote, a place so conservative that students attend mandatory chapel four times weekly and pledge to abstain from booze, drugs, gambling, and even dancing, end quote. One famous Wheaton College alumnus, Billy Graham, even has the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center named after him. After Prohibition ended in 1933, Wheaton was one of the few area towns that remained dry, largely due to the influence of the town's religious conservatives. According to city council records, Wheaton did not even allow restaurants to serve alcohol until 1985. Many of you listeners may know the Belushi family. John, Jim, and their siblings grew up in Wheaton. Other well-known people from Wheaton include author Bob Woodward, filmmaker Wes Craven, Chicago history notables Robert McCormick and Joseph Medill, astronomer Edwin Hubble, for whom the Space Telescope is named, many, many sports notables, and Kate Pearson, singer for the band the B-52s. Pearson even attended Wheaton College briefly. May 1988 did not yield much new info regarding Scott and Carolyn, There were police investigating the disappearance who felt the couple were still alive, but there was also at least one Chicago police detective that thought they were probably dead. There were a few mentions in the press of the couple's favorite book, A Severe Mercy. Lisa Vandeross, Scott Swanson's former girlfriend, told the Detroit newspaper, quote, It's all about two people who are very much in love. They gave up their lives and lived on a boat. Police involved in the search for Scott Swanson and Carolyn McLean received a new lead in the case in June of 1988 when a travel book titled Hidden Hawaii, The Adventurer's Guide, which had been checked out on March 29th from the Wheaton Public Library on Scott Swanson's card, was returned to that library by mail from St. Paul, Minnesota. That lead did not result in any new findings. News regarding the couple became even more infrequent as the summer wore on, that is, until Tuesday, July 26th, when a seven-page handwritten letter on turquoise stationery arrived at the McLean home in Haddonfield, New Jersey, via FedEx. 
Dearest Mother, Daddy, Susie, and Grandpop, it began. It was a letter from Carolyn, who was alive and well, living in California with Scott. Asking for forgiveness and reconciliation, the couple expressed remorse in the letter for the pain they caused, describing their actions as, quote, purely selfish, end quote. There was also a copy of the letter sent to the Swanson home, but Scott Swanson's parents were on vacation in Kearney, Nebraska that week. They were reached later that evening by phone to hear the news. Roger Swanson said he had vacillated between fearing his son met foul play and trying to remain hopeful Scott was all right. He said his wife always believed the couple was alive. Carolyn Swanson, who by then wore her hair cut short and dyed reddish-orange, said they left school without telling friends or parents because, quote, we loved each other so much that we wanted to give up everything for each other, end quote. Scott Swanson said, quote, there are a lot of variables that went into what we did and a lot of reasons, he told reporters in San Diego. Some comes from the secret marriage. Some comes from the reaction we thought we'd get from our parents to the marriage. Some stems from the kind of life we wanted to live. It's very difficult to wrap it up in one simple little sentence right now, end quote. Choking back tears, Scott Swanson told WMAQ-TV in Chicago, We have sorrow in our hearts, especially for my parents. Mom and Dad, I love you so much. Carolyn sends her love, too. To the people of Chicago, we're sorry for the seeming deception. We're sorry for the hurt. While they had been planning since December of 1987 to elope in late March 1988, leaving Chicago behind on April 2nd was spur of the moment. Scott's graduation was scheduled for May 15th, and with it he would begin his commission in the aviation branch of the Army. The couple feared that his long hours as an officer and the military attitude would put a strain on their relationship. If he fled the Army once commissioned... He would be AWOL and face stiff consequences by leaving before his commission. Any punishment, in Scott's mind, would be less severe. The couple left the red BMW near a police station at 113 West Chicago Avenue, long gone now, with the keys under the floor mat, hopeful the car would be returned to the McLean family. But, because Chicago, someone stole it from outside a police station later abandoning it behind Orchestra Hall. The couple took a cab to O'Hare Airport and flew that evening to San Diego. Their time in Southern California sounds difficult compared to their lives before the disappearance. They slept at the San Diego airport, then spent two weeks at the University of California, San Diego campus, trying to find shelter anywhere they could. They got jobs in nearby La Jolla, Scott at a deli, and Carolyn at a cafe, and found a $400 a month studio in which to live in Mission Beach. Scott, going by the name Michael James, reportedly doted on Carolyn, alias Scotty Sofren, buying her flowers and doing all the laundry. They told only brief stories about their past. Scott, a.k.a. Michael, claimed he had been homeless. Carolyn, a.k.a. Scotty, shared a touching tale about losing her parents in a fire. Without IDs or social security cards, they had to take cash jobs. Somehow they didn't seem to register how their disappearance would play out back home. Quote, We didn't even know if it would make the papers, Carolyn said later. 
We had thought it out, but we also didn't plan to stay away this length of time, Scott said, and when things escalated back home, we thought we would be shunned for the rest of our lives. They followed their own disappearance story by reading Chicago newspapers at their local library. Soon, the weight of their impulsive decision began to sink in, and they realized they needed to go home. After receiving Carolyn's letter, her parents hopped on a plane to San Diego to be reunited with their daughter and new son-in-law. The Swansons did not rush out to the West Coast, deciding they would wait until Scott could also be reunited with his two brothers. James McLean, Carolyn's father, seemed pretty understanding about all this, at least in the press, where he was quoted as saying, I think they felt in their hearts they had good reasons for what they were doing. I think their intentions and goals were correct. They just underestimated the extent of the reaction. Scott Swanson's mother Nancy said, quote, We don't feel enormous rage. I have mixed feelings. This has been such a stressful four months. I wish they hadn't done it. They're going to feel the consequences for the rest of their lives, and that's painful. When asked about her marriage and being in California, Carolyn responded, It could have gone one of two ways. It could have shattered our love or strengthened it. It's definitely strengthened it. In the press, Carolyn sounds as though she understood the climate upon their return, saying, There is a lot of resentment toward us. We don't want to appear as if we were just out there having a good time. We just want to forget. Although officials decided the couple would not have to pay for the sizable cost of the search, 21,000 Chicagoans who responded to a poll at the time were angry enough to say they should. Back in Chicago, the couple settled in the western suburb of Naperville. Scott Swanson got a job as a sales rep. He applied for readmission to Wheaton College to finish his bachelor's degree in psychology, but the school turned him down for the spring 1989 semester. As for Scott Swanson's ROTC plans, well, in August of 1988, Swanson asked a military review board made up of ROTC officers from Illinois to recommend he be commissioned as an Army officer. After hearing at Fort Sheridan, the board shared its decision. Swanson would be expelled from the service and his ROTC scholarship would be terminated. Swanson wrote a letter to Major General Robert E. Wagner, National ROTC Commander at Fort Monroe, Virginia, that November to apologize. In part, the letter read, I am sorry for and regretful for the disgrace that has been brought upon the ROTC program due to my gross error. As a result, I am confident that serving on active duty in enlisted status would be the best solution for the U.S. Army and myself. I've made a mistake, and I wish to deal with it in an upright manner. One month later, on September 6, 1988, Carolyn McLean Swanson was seriously injured when her red BMW, yes, that red BMW, slammed into a brand new Jeep Cherokee while attempting to change lanes on Route 38 in Wheaton. The other driver suffered minor bruises in the collision, but Carolyn was hospitalized with a head injury and listed in serious condition at Loyola University Medical Center in Maywood, Illinois. Of note in this accident was two things. One, that police found an open container of alcohol in the car. Police planned to charge Carolyn with drunken driving and transporting open liquor in a motor vehicle. 
although I can find no record they ever did. The second thing of note, Carolyn was pregnant at the time of the accident, something her mother learned at the time of the crash. Carolyn recovered. In February of 1989, the Army ordered Scott Swanson to serve four years of active duty as an enlisted soldier in order to work off his $14,673 ROTC scholarship, nearly $34,600 in today's money. Swanson could have appealed and avoided service by paying back the scholarship, but said, I won't appeal, I will enlist. Scott Swanson would report for basic training at Fort Knox, Kentucky as an E-1, the lowest rank. Army regulations would let him finish college first. Swanson later fulfilled his obligations to the military. As columnist Eric Zorn wrote in the Chicago Tribune a few years back, Scott and Carolyn were lucky enough to have been famous before 24-7 cable news stations would have made fading back into obscurity impossible. Scott and Carolyn Swanson eventually moved back to Southern California to live much quieter lives than the ones they lived in 1988. Carolyn Swanson died in February 2017 at the age of 50, survived by two adult sons and her husband Scott. Her obituary mentions she was a personal trainer, beloved by her clients, a talented artist, and a fierce lover of the little things in life. No cause of death was given. Personal opinion, I think it is super cool they stayed together all those years, even with the bonkers beginning to their relationship. Listening to today's episode about the bizarre story of the missing Wheaton Bible College couple. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by me, Tommy Henry. As always, if you have any questions about anything covered today, anything to add, or have an idea for a future episode, I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. I have links to various books and items related to Chicago's amazing history if you or someone you know is a history nerd like me and would like to learn more. Anything ordered through those links, not just the items listed, may earn a small commission for the podcast and help offset production costs at no cost to you. Check out the Chicago History Podcast Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages for articles and pictures related to this episode and past episodes posted throughout the week. The original art for the Chicago History Podcast used on the social media pages was created by John K. Schneider. Thanks, pal. He can be found at AngelEyesArtJKS on Instagram or via email at AngelEyesArtJKS at gmail.com. I will be back soon with more stories from Chicago's history. Until then, get out and explore when possible. Learn more about whatever city you live in and stay safe.